Again, I love being able to say good morning to each other. However, if you do feel uncomfortable with the germs and whatever, I don't want you to feel like you have to touch people. You can wave at them. You can do one of these. I do that a lot. I'm a teacher. Um, anyhow. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. That's from Psalm 69, verses 30 through 31. So I am really excited that I have gotten through the overall narrative of the Bible that I was trying to get through. And it wasn't that I was trying to get through it. It's uh, like Rob was talking about in Sunday school this morning. Is I really wanted to start with just a read through scripture together. Because anything that I say of value, I am simply reading to you from Scripture. The greatest value of anything I can say will be Scripture. And if I can help give you a little insight to Scripture, that is all I'm here for. Up here at this moment is to bring glory to God and try to communicate what God has said through his Scriptures. Maybe I shouldn't speak so summatively. That's all I'm here for. Well, no, that's not. But that is the bulk of why I'm here. <clears throat> I also had the blessing of last council meeting. I have, I, I'm still your pastor, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's a blessing. Hopefully no one's out there thinking I didn't agree to that. Well, come to the meeting. Anyway. So uh, this Advent season, and I can't believe we're already in the Advent season, um, I'm mostly going to be looking uh, at an interwoven gospel uh, about the, the birth of Christ. But it's still Thanksgiving in my mind. Thanksgiving is by far my favorite holiday. It, it, there's nothing close to it as far as holidays that Americans celebrate. I absolutely love Thanksgiving. Because it reiterates something that I should be doing all year long, which is giving thanks for what I already have and all the blessings that I already have. I also feel no pressure to buy gifts that people don't want or to receive gifts that I don't feel I deserve. So it really takes the pressure off. And there's pie. As a selling point, there's also pie. Um, and if you had the opportunity to go to the community service last Sunday night that was at Rometown Community Church, uh, Pastor, uh, I can't say his last name because it isn't pronounced how it's spelled, but Earl, Pastor Earl from the Baptist Church down here, gave a fantastic sermon. It was absolutely wonderful. And what made it so wonderful is that he spoke the word of God. He didn't try to be too light. He didn't try to be too funny. He didn't try to do anything but faithfully preach the Word of God, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I feel confident saying that because I know he's not going to watch our live stream. Well, I don't know that. I assume he's not going to watch our live stream. He's busy. So I am actually going to start off in the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 17. Verse 11, and it was brought up to me by more than one person, um, 
how much they miss the scripture lessons that were always Old Testament, New Testament, gospel. There was always those three as part of the sermon, as part of the sermon. Um, and Rob, did you start that or did you continue that? The Old Testament, New Testament. Did I start it here? Yes. Okay. Well, you've done it for a while, but people were saying how much they missed having that link, the Old Testament, New Testament gospel lessons. So um, in effort to do that, I've actually tried to incorporate that on a topic, um, which, of course, is giving thanks, not Thanksgiving in the necessarily turkey and stuffing way, but just giving thanks for all that God has done for us. And so I'm starting in Luke 17, which is uh, the 10 lepers that Jesus cleanses. Now it happened as he went on to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There he met him 10 men who were lepers. He stood far, excuse me, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. With a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there any found who returned to give thanks, to give glory to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. I have a tendency to really resonate with the Samaritans in the Bible. And it is because the Samaritans aren't quite right. They've been uh, corrupted, as we all have, right? But they've been corrupted. They are not Orthodox. They're Samaritans. So the fact that the Samaritan understands what happens to him and, and is so broken and grateful to God for his healing, he is the one that returns. He's not the one that feels that he's just been restored to being a good Jew. He's the one that feels like he has been brought into something. At least that's my take on it. But he is the one that returns and gives glory to God. Because like it's like Jesus even says, where, where are the other nine? It's not that Jesus doesn't know where the other nine are. But it seems to me when Jesus is dealing with Samaritans in Scripture... He says things that really do point out that social idea behind Jews and Samaritans. And uh, you see that very much with the uh, woman who's asking Jesus to heal her child. And he's, he, well, I'm not going to say he calls her a dog, but he brings attention to the fact that the Samaritans are viewed very low. He says, uh, you know, I, I, did, I came for the children of Israel. You know, it's um, why would you give to the dogs what's for the children? I'm paraphrasing slightly. And she says, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus praises her for her faith. And the reason why I feel 
that he brings that up, or at least part of the reason. For me to say the reason why God did anything would be rather arrogant, I think. But what I understand here and what it strikes me as is when when Jesus is bringing up the fact that she is lesser, he doesn't deny her child healing. He's not saying this. I heard some bizarre human being made a video talking about how Jesus was racist until this person changed her mind. That's nonsense. I reject that completely. That is absolute hogwash. Don't believe it for a second. Um, But what I do know is that he brings up the system, this idea that she is not as good or she is not deserving. And I think, and I'm not sure, again, I think that God does things that will that are happening on many levels that I don't necessarily understand the full weight of. But I do know in front of his disciples, he brings up their opinion of her, and then he heals their child. Now, I may be the only person who reads that scripture and gets that interpretation, and you don't have to buy it. In fact, you can confront me on it later when I'm done. I would love to discuss it with you. But that's one of the things I see. But I have a tendency, like I said, to connect with the Samaritan uh, the Samaritan people in the Bible, because they know how Jews feel about them, yet Jesus is shining all this mercy on them anyway. I'm going to take a brief stop in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 through 15. Now... May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all, excuse me, for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Well, through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his undescribable gift. This is in a section that is actually titled in my Bible, The Cheerful Giver. In the first section of scripture I read, we have someone that is healed, that God has made their body well, and they are thanking God. They're giving glory to God for their body being well. In this section of 2 Corinthians, we have someone that is cheerfully giving. They're giving thanks to God through what they do or through what they're able to give. And I know sometimes when we give, and I'm not necessarily talking about types, but when we give, a lot of times we're thinking of it as like a balances, or at least some of us that have more of that in our mind where we're contemplating, well, how much can I afford to give? How much can I afford not to give? Um, I suppose there's two ways to look at, uh, at that question. But do we look at our opportunity to give with thanksgiving? That's a real question, and I don't expect anyone to shout out. But do we 
look at our giving as an opportunity. Do we have thanksgiving for the things we're able to give? Do we have thanksgiving for the fact that some of our offerings this month are going to go to feed people? In fact, some of our offerings several times a year go to feed people. Kyle's gone in place of us to help go feed people. Are we thankful about the opportunity to help? Is that the thing we're thinking about? Or are we thinking, well, my mortgage is this and my insurance payment is this. And and the Bible suggests I give this. So, you know, are we looking at it like that? Or are we thankful that from our abundance? Because regardless of political talking points, every single one of us is in the top 2% of the richest people on earth. I think that's the statistic. If you have two cars and any roof over your head, you're in the top two richest percent of richest people on earth. From our abundance, are we thankful that we can touch lives? Because I'm not always. Sometimes I'm thinking about whatever frivolous nonsense, or I'm upset over the price of gas because I'm human. The price of gas is outlandish. Hmm. It's my hope, though, that as I'm giving and as I'm looking for opportunities to give, that I'm overwhelmed. Well, maybe not overwhelmed, but that I'm aware. That I become more aware of what an opportunity I have. What an opportunity I have to give to these different things. And believe it or not, I'm not trying to get you to tithe more this morning. What I'm trying to do is say, be aware that this is something we get to do because we're in communion with God of creation and he allows us in this relationship. This is part of the work we get to do. We have the privilege of being a part of this. And God supplies our needs. And I know that God heals us and God provides us with doctors and medicines and sometimes uh, miraculous healings. And sometimes those miraculous healings don't come. I know we have people among us who God has seen fit to heal their shoulder, but not their vision. I don't know why that is, because I'm not God. But I do know that God was very glorified when that shoulder worked. And I know that God is still God, regardless of whether those eyes ever work the right way again. This side of glory, of course. But do we take time to thank God for the healings that we receive? Do we find it less miraculous when medication can work or when a scientist is able to come up with ideas or God gives him the ideas or uses him much like Balaam's donkey? He comes up with something that really helps people. Are we able to thank God for that or do we just look back at the New Testament and we're like, well, you know, Jesus used to touch people and heal them and Paul would touch people and heal them. Do we begrudge the blessings God's given us? Or can we be thankful, understanding that God is God and God does what he wills and God can still heal? I've been accused of being too hard on myself. 
But I know me, and it's really easy. Much like you know you, and it would probably be really easy to say your flaws, if you're being honest. So I'm going to try not to get into like some sort of woe is me, use me as an example of all the evil thing, because I know I'm prone to that. Um, but when I think about what the Lord has done for me, what God has brought me out of and continues to bring me out of, as God is continuing to refine me, am I thankful for the growing pains? Some of you woke up at three this morning to milk cows and are majorly awake. I'm thankful for that because I may actually be droning right now. If you read the Psalms, you'll see that a very common thing that happens in the Psalms is that they praise God. Things start with a very real problem, typically. Well, not typically. That may be brazen. In some of the Psalms, we start with a very real concern, a very real trial, a very real problem. And the person has a very open conversation with God, where they say, sometimes something as brazen as, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then by the end, they are praising God because he is sovereign and he is just, and they know that God is still God. That was David's words. Um, when I say they in that example, that was David's words from Psalm 22. I play, I, I, hmm. I'm hoping that you guys are able to forgive me. I feel like I'm droning right now. Because I'm talking about being thankful to God, yet I've gotten all inflection out of my voice, and I don't know why that is exactly. I feel a little intimidated this morning, so allow me to address this. In front of me this morning, I have about 60 years of pulpit experience sitting in this room from different traditions, and I'm a little nervous. I'll be honest with you. But can I tell you something that is magnificent and always true? As I have the inerrant word of God in front of me, and I'm going to read it. And it's going to speak for itself, because regardless of the fact that I'm probably not the best pastor in the room, God is still God, and these are still his words. And I pray that you will uh, forgive me for whatever silly part of pride it is where I try to be more polished than I am, because it's nonsense. It's nonsense. I want to bring God my very best, but my very best isn't going to be Rob's very best or Nate's very best or Sean's very best. My first fruits come from a different orchard. I'm very thankful you're all here this morning, though, and I do expect to get some feedback. Be gentle with me. I'm fragile. What I'd like to do together, though, is I'd like you to turn to Psalm... 136. <clears throat> Psalm 136 in my New King James Bible here is titled, Thanksgiving to God for His Enduring Mercy. In ESV, it is the steadfast love. So I had to look back at the Greek because I was like, is it mercy or is it love? Now, I'm still learning Greek, and let me tell you, it's challenging. 
it is exceptionally challenging to try to teach yourself a language that nobody speaks unless they're telling you the root word from a Bible verse. But I believe it's pronounced case said, and it's one of those words that has a paragraph telling you what it means. It doesn't just have a synonym in English, but it has a paragraph describing this word. So I've come to realize that both the enduring mercy, the steadfast love, God's eternal goodness are all accurate translations of that word. What I absolutely want to do, and if you will indulge me in this, is I would like to use this verse. I'd like to do a responsive reading, which I've never done with anyone before, I don't think, other than when we commissioned an elder or invited someone to join the church. At the end of every line in Psalm 136, and I'm going to use the ESV, I hope that's okay, is the line, for his steadfast love endures forever. Isn't that amazing? For his steadfast love endures forever. So what I would ask for you to do is, quite honestly, I'm going to read the first line, and I would like us all to read or to say the second one together. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let's give it a try. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Thank you for doing that with me. Now, what you may not realize is you just said, you just proclaimed that his steadfast love endures forever 26 times. You only need to say something three times to remember it. At 26 times, this should be one of those moments that just keeps staining your brain throughout the week because his steadfast love endures forever. Why did God not give up on me? Why did God call me out of the muck and the mire that I dug myself into by rejecting the truth that I knew from birth or from shortly after birth? Why did I reject God? Why did God not reject me? Why did God choose me out of all of the people that are designating themselves as refuse? Well, his steadfast love endures forever. Why doesn't God give up on his fallen creation? His steadfast love endures forever. Why should I give thanks in the midst of sorrow? Because his steadfast love endures forever. I know all of us in this community have lost one or two or three people just in the last two weeks. And it's hard sometimes to remember, to praise, but his steadfast love endures forever. And we know that. We absolutely know that. So in the verses that I've stumbled through this morning, We've looked at God healing the lepers. Lepers are the epitome of sinfulness. They are a physical representation almost of our decrepit sinful state. They're rotting as they're alive. They're actually a physical representation of what sin must look like. They're actually rotting as they walk around. Yet Jesus cleanses them. And only one remembers to give thanks. When we look at the cheerful giver, it tells us what giving should look like, how we should be giving thanks, how we should be thankful for the opportunity to serve. When we look at so many Psalms, I just picked one of them. We see the reasons why. We see a really big reinforcement of God's love, his enduring love, and why we are giving thanks to God. If I would have read this from the Bible right to my left, we would have repeated over and over again, for his mercy endures forever. Praise God that that is also the case. If anyone feels brazen enough, would they shout out what's in their translation of the Bible? Like I said, this has a large variety of things that could be translated to. And I know we don't all carry the same translation. Does anyone have anything that isn't in his steadfast love or mercy? 
I'm just curious. Okay. We can stick with steadfast love and mercy. I was using my eSword app this morning and I had all these comparative translations up and there's quite a number of things that it was translated in, but that's, that's all right. Unfortunately, I have this curiosity where I want to know. Um, yeah, so that psalm we just read is called the Great Halal or the Great Praise. Um, there's part of it that's repeated in Second Chronicles 7 at the dedication of Solomon's temple. And uh, Spurgeon actually assumes, or he hypothesizes that the whole thing was said at uh, the dedication of Solomon's temple, even though Chronicles only, in, it only has a snippet. And it's right before the fire comes down and consumes the sacrifices. I like to know these things. <laughs> and I assume that you like to know them as well. But anyhow, I am thankful. And I'm grateful for all that God has done for us today. I'm thankful for all God will continue to do through us. That all God does in spite of us. If you have the ability to, please stand with me. If you're in pain, please do not stand with me. Father God, I thank you and I praise you. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for the times that I doubt myself. Father, I thank you that you are God and that we are not, and that your word stands forever, and that your steadfast love endures forever, and that your mercy endures forever. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a small part of how you move in this world. Father, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I always forget to tell people that part.